Jones, 30, 35, 40, he's in midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And Down the Sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me News Network, and this is the fourth episode of the podcast on September 20th, 2012. Week four. We've almost been doing this podcast for a month, and we're starting to get into that little delicate period where we're almost a third of the way through the college football season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're you know, making our way uh, into week three of the NFL where I think they've had, you know, like, there are like six 2-0 and teams, there are six 0-2 teams, and then everyone else is 1-1. One one. Yeah. It's, it's kind of remarkable there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good to be back for another week of sports. Um, things have been crazy this week, so we're on a tight schedule, and we'll try to make this quick. But we've got to get our predictions out there for this week. So, Joel, why don't we start in the red zone, where we recap the... Three biggest sports stories, in our opinion, of the week. And we start with the 20-yard line. All right. So, basically, this has to do with the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, you know, for the longest time have um, just struggled to be what many would call a major league team. Um, you know, and they, they finally have had, you know, a pretty good season, like good enough to, like, almost make the playoffs. But recently, they have just collapsed I mean, you, you want to give those statistics real quick? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were at one point, I don't know how close it was to, you know, the halfway point of the season, but there was a time where they were first place mm-hmm. in the NL Central. Now, granted, you know, Cincinnati took over for a little bit, but Pittsburgh was relevant. And I know, you know, one of the fans of the show, Major Moses, uh, you know, is, you know, near to the Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. Uh, likes the Pirates, says he doesn't follow baseball, but I remember, you know, discussing this with him a couple months ago. He was like, yeah, well, the Pirates are good. They're in first place. And I'm thinking, you know, they've lost or had losing records for like the past 20 seasons. I'd wait till the end of the season yeah. to see how good they actually are and how that goes. Well, now the team is 500 with, you know, about 13 or 14 games to go. Uh, let me, you know, do this quick. We have, ten, yeah, about 13 games to go after this. So they're right now beating Milwaukee in the seventh inning. So mm-hmm. as of this point, they're 74 and 74. They could be one game up, one game under by the time we're done recording this. Mm-hmm. But the point is they've lost 20 out of 27 games. That's pretty bad. It's not good. Um, so I don't know. This team is struggling. They do have, you know, good talent. And, you know, Andrew uh, McCutcheon is a star. Yeah. He's, he's great. Uh, you said you've been to several Pirates games this year. Yeah, you know, and um, it's, it's interesting because usually um, every time that I've ever been to one, it's always a loss. I mean, and it's, a, I mean, they just get blown out. Like, it's not even close. Like, I, I watched them play the... The Cardinals once, but, um, and I, I'm trying to think. I, I think they weren't even starting like three of their best players, and they still got blown out. <laughs> like, wow. Um, 
but but this year, you know, they looked they competed. They looked so much better. And you know, early on in the season, they were they were really. I mean, they were beating everybody, which is amazing. Like no one expected it. But um, you know, they're they're making better moves. Um, you know, getting getting making like a, a a better team all around. Um, that'll last for a while. And I think that's why you know you know if things don't work out is like they want them to this this season um they're definitely setting themselves up for a couple seasons to um have a much better team much younger team um better talent overall um but just lately um things are kind of falling apart for them yeah yeah to say the least i mean remember this was a team that was first place in the division of six teams in the nl central now they are in fourth place Mm -hmm. 16 games back of the cincinnati reds Mm -hmm. And now if we look at the wild card standings, remember there are two teams that get in. Right yep. now Atlanta and St. Louis are at the top of you know the wild card standings. Pittsburgh's five games back of St. Louis. That is a lot to make up in this final stretch here. Unless St. Louis just, you know, stops playing, it's going to be extremely difficult to catch them. Um, the thing that is kind of nice is that they have... They have a couple games with the Astros and the Mets left, mm-hmm. um, which I think will definitely equate to some wins. I mean, between those two teams, um, the Astros certainly. Yeah, um, Mets will be a little bit tougher, but still, I mean, compared to the other, you know, they still got to play Cincinnati again, and um, that's going to be tough. So, mm-hmm. so our question is not: Will this team make the playoffs? I think we can. <laughs> More or less factor that out, but the question as we make the play here, Joel, is do the Pirates end up with a winning record this year? Well, it's I mean, it's definitely not impossible. Um, you know, like you said, it's like even right now, and then you have to look at the number of games that they have left against, you know, teams they had better records than, um, you know, when they went head-to-head before, like what their records were against them. Um, you got to think, like, they're still going to try and finish the season off as strong as they can, you know, just to take something in the next season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously things just haven't worked out lately, but um, I think, you know, definitely having the Astros on there. I mean, any team that gets the Astros at the end of the year, they're going to, you know, they're probably going to be able to beat them, like, even without trying very hard. Um, I, you know, I think, I don't know. I'm going to try and be positive about it just because it's been like a little bit of a surprising season for them and say, yeah, I think that they can. I think that they will. I wanted to say no so badly, (laughs) so badly, just because it's history. It's what they've been doing lately. Mm -hmm. But you have at Houston, at the Mets, Mm -hmm. and you can win a good chunk of those games. And then you have home against Cincinnati, home against Atlanta. Now, Cincinnati may be resting up for yep. the playoffs. They'll probably have things more or less locked up there. Uh, Atlanta will probably be trying to fight for a wild card spot, but I think the home field helps them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this honestly could go either way. It's not going to be by a close margin at all. I think they end up one game over 500 and get off the schneid. But for a season that had such high aspirations, it's not good to crash like that. No, not at all. Um, I think they, but they, they could definitely steal a game or two. Sure, uh, sure. I'm sure. All right, at the ten yard line here comes the NFL. Uh, at the end of the Buccaneers Giants game, which was quite an interesting game, uh, you know Eli Manning throwing 
three interceptions in the first half, and then he throws for a career-high 510 yards to give the Giants the win. Now, the Giants were up by seven. That's a one-possession game. Couple seconds left, and they get into the victory formation. You know, kneel down, kill the rest of the clock. It's kind of an unwritten rule in the NFL to kind of abide by that and to just, you know, just admit it. Admit the defeat in a way. Well, Greg Schiano is the new coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, replacing Morris. Was that his name from last year? I'm, gosh, I'm trying to blank. I, um, blanking I on the name of their former head coach at the for Tampa Bay. Anyway, Greg Schiano comes from Rutgers. Uh, he comes back home to New Jersey, and he decides that he's not going to accept the kneel down and will play for that small chance. So the defensive linemen rush the offensive line and try to force a fumble mm-hmm. on the snap. Now, this gets old Tom Coughlin, coach of the Giants, all riled up, saying, you know, no business doing that. You know, it doesn't know the rules. <laughs> and it has a lot of mixed opinions. So, Joel, I wanted to get your thoughts on that play. It was a very strange ending. Yeah, okay. Well, <clears throat> just from, you know actually like just from like what i've like what i've heard like from players like even in college and stuff is that um a lot of times there's kind of a i mean there is kind of like an unspoken sort of thing mm-hmm. but in a way um sometimes when that play is run the offensive lineman uh gesture to the defensive lineman like they they give them a nod or something to tell them this is what we're doing and especially when they're standing up on the play, you know, it's right. kind of it's kind of a sign right there. Like, that's the thing. And so, and, you know, I'm pretty sure it's the same way in the NFL, especially in the NFL, because it's like a job, you know. I mean, right. like, if these guys get hurt doing this, then, you know, it's going to cost them their job. Yeah. So, I'm sure that there's, like, the unspoken thing, but there's also sometimes a gesture before the play. <clears throat> and from what I've heard is that, they did this. The offensive lineman actually did, like, the center, you know, kind of gestured to the defensive lineman or the defensive captain and told, like, told him, this is what we're doing. Hmm. And he sh- the defensive captain shook his head, I guess, for that. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently, um, because it's, you know, you can give that gesture and it can be okay, but they don't have to agree to it. The defensive linemen were getting low. Getting mm-hmm. ready to rush. Yeah, if you can see them doing that, then you should you should expect they're coming. You know. So if they get hurt as a result of that because they weren't prepared, that's the offensive lineman's fault in a way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I because I don't really think I don't even consider it a free play anywhere because I don't think there is a free play in football. I don't like even if you're kneeling your offensive linemen still have to do the job that like, let's say you're kicking a field goal. It's the same exact thing. It's protection. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready for it. So that's basically what it turns into. It basically turns into keeping them away from the person while they kneel. Um, I mean, that's all you have to do. So, I mean, seriously, for one play, could you not just do what you regularly do for that? I mean, I can understand if you've got like three guys going low at the center um, you know, diving at his knees and stuff. Why coaches would get concerned because they pay those guys a lot of money, right? And if they blow out a knee, then you know they're pretty much done. But it's 
you still got to do your job. I mean, I, I just don't understand like why people think you can take a playoff anyways. Right. I mean, you, you play the whole 60 minutes. I yeah. think it was, it was made a really big deal yeah. out of nothing. And then, you know, Justin Tuck, uh, the Giants defensive <laughs> end, said like, oh, he would refuse the order if a coach told him to do that. Like, I don't know in the heat of the moment if you're trying to get that one miracle play off. I don't know. You know, uh, crazier things have happened. Um, a center and a quarterback could mix up the exchange, and that could very well be a fumble, mm-hmm. and you could get the ball back. I mean, you might as well. I, I don't know. I just, like, even when I've watched it and stuff, um, in all the football games that I've watched, um, it's not all. I mean, both teams don't always let up when I've watched that play. I, I, even in the NFL, I've seen, I've seen defenders rush at them and offensive linemen play like they regularly do. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's generally just the center who, sometimes because he knows exactly what the call is, to that doesn't really you know go full force. But I, I don't know. Like, I, it is kind of funny that they're making such a big deal out of it because it happens all the time. And right. it is not a rule violation or anything. Well, it's all about the whole, like, he's a new coach, he doesn't know any better, he's got to <laughs> get in line with the NFL. I heard a really interesting comparison to what this play is kind of like, as far as a, a baseball term, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the intentional walk. Yeah. You know, it's really symbolic in a way that, you know, the, the catcher has to you know, do the step out and the pitcher throws in the ball four straight times and people wonder why, why do they do that? Well... There's the one off chance that the catcher might, you know, miss the throw and runners may advance or runner may advance to home. Just like this, you know, the victory formation, like there's the small chance that a fumble occurs, but it's really just still mm, almost unnecessary in a way. It could be done without, which is interesting because Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys owner, wants to see the victory formation be made illegal. To have a you know team kneel down to intentionally you know stop you know stop the play stop the down and let the clock run out, which is where we make the play. Will there be a rule change at the end of the year forbidding the victory formation? Well. I don't think so. <laughs> um, you know the NFL does like to make rules at the end of the year. They you know meet and all that stuff, uh, but they can't even get their officials straightened out, and they. <laughs> Make ridiculous things. So I don't think this happens. It's been part of the game for a long time. And I think the culture of the league will just say, no, you got to learn better, Greg Schiano. <laughs> oh um, I, I would like to see it go because I, it is deflating. And then you see it coming. It's almost like adding insult to injury in a way. Uh, I would like to see it be removed, but I do not think that will happen. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Even if you, even if you removed it, they would just find a different way to do it. It's true. I mean, they they would just they'd somehow hand it off to the running back in the backfield, and he would just fall down. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I tripped. <laughs> that like, would almost be more prone to fumbling, though. Yeah, but but still, like I mean, he could he could make it look like he's falling and just fall on his knees, like he's taking a knee. Like then, how? I mean, would they be like, oh, penalty? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because then he could be like, ah, I tripped. Like, I don't know. It just, in a way, like it's um. Generally, I mean, 
generally they they as long as the offensive lineman is doing their job on that play, the quarterback's not going to get touched. But if the offensive lineman lets up, then they could get knocked back into the court. Which is isn't that what happened at the end of the game? Like yeah, he got knocked right. into the quarter. Well, I mean, and you know they do it. They do it mainly just because um, you know there's only so much time left. They they don't want to fumble, but they also don't want to get anybody hurt, right? Or whatever. But if they do a play like they regularly do, and then just have whoever's handling the ball kneel it or whatever, then there's no risk of your star player getting hurt on some play or whatever. I don't know. It, I mean, it it does really. What it does is it kind of takes away most of the opportunity for the defense to do anything about it. Like it's like, oh, well, the game's over anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's that much time left on the clock. Usually nothing's going to happen anyways. I mean, 99.99% of the time, nothing's going to happen with that much time left anyways. But yeah. I don't know. Um, I, it, it definitely won't get taken away. I mean, they don't... I don't... Well, I'm trying to think of the last time they ever, like, ruled anything, any play, like, like you can't do that anymore. They said, oh, that's legal, blah, blah, blah. Right. I know they did... They, said they add like penalties or something to certain plays like hair pulling <laughs> and that yeah. kind of stuff but um i don't know i don't i don't see that happening just because it's so ingrained into football like all football not just the nfl um right. it's kind of a norm it's like oh you know especially if like a team is up like a bajillion points or something. Well, I mean, true. It's it's not going to matter <laughs> if the team is up by, you know, more than a uh, a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is why it's an issue. If if you know Greg Schiano and Tampa Bay did this when it was like more than an eight point spread or a seven point spread, mm-hmm. yeah, th- that would be uncalled for. But they were hoping for the impossible to happen. Yeah. I ju- I was just trying to think, you know, like trying to apply it to everything, like. Give a, give a reason to take it away from like the entire sport. I I can't really think of mm-hmm. why they would do that. So I'm gonna say no. Okay. Uh, the five yard play. How about you talk about that one? All right. Um, I guess you know we can say that you know he's definitely a Hall of Fame coach. Jim Calhoun um, mm-hmm. is the coach of the Yukon Huskies for the longest time now. Um, Finally decided to call it quits. This is college basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Men's college and, basketball. Yeah. You know, UConn, um, they're in the Big East. Um, that conference for the past, I don't know, I don't know maybe like 10, 10 years or so has been just, you know, a crazy madhouse in college basketball. You know, if you survive the season, it's like surviving the season in the SEC in football. Um, mm-hmm. It's extremely tough. So many good teams and a lot of teams. And it's it's kind of changed a little bit because a lot of the teams have started to shift to different conferences because of football reasons. Um, but it's still got a, like a lot of really good coaches and in um, schools, you know, um, programs. Um, but Jim Calhoun, you know, one of the only coaches to ever win at least three national titles. Um, so he's he's kind of, you know, a big deal in college basketball. And he really took the UConn program and just made it what it is today. I mean, he turned it into a national power um, with his recruiting, with uh, his style of coaching. 
Um, and you know, he's he's coached a lot of pro prospects, and um, I don't know, he's just done a really great job. Of 873 wins, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's um, got three national titles. He's only one of a yeah. few coaches to do that. And then, in you know, his personal life, he's beat cancer three times. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he's been through a lot, and um, but he's, I mean, he's old. I mean, he's really old, and um, I believe, like, this past month or two months ago or something, he was riding his bike, and he broke his hips. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he's been through a lot, and, um, you know, people were saying, oh, well, probably in the next couple of years he'll retire, and so he decided to do it, you know, right before, I guess, like, right before they would start practicing, because it's coming up, you know, in the next couple of months, and... Um, you know, I mean, he, he, I think the, I was kind of surprised he didn't retire after he won his most recent national title. Right. Um, but I guess he wanted to just keep going because, you know, I guess they'd still have him there, but, um, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's really well known in the, in all of college basketball recruiting and coaching and, um, you know, there's been a little bit of the, in his career, there have been like a few minor recruiting violations, and you know the NCAA came after him a couple times. Um, but um, really, I mean, he really did put that program on the map. So I don't know. Do you want to talk about him a little bit? Uh, you pretty much covered it all. Just that UConn hardly has anything out there, mm-hmm. and he, like Gino Oriema on the women's side uh, for college basketball have really created a basketball powerhouse at UConn. And it's it's remarkable. Uh, I think his successor has a difficult job ahead of them. Oh, my gosh. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, they had, you know, their center uh, went on to the NBA. I want to say Jeremy Lamb did as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of their best players have already moved on. They were the ninth seed in their section of the bracket last year, which is pretty low. That means they were close to the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's had a great run, though. Uh, definitely respect him as one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. And it's the right time for him to go. But, you know, it's it's worth a mention that it's, it's you know, one of those times it you know, marks the end of an era. Just like when whenever Mike Krzyzewski steps down at Duke, mm-hmm. like that's in the end of a college basketball era. Pretty much. I mean, it's one of the. But he has he has four, I believe. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's make the play, Joel. Does UConn make the NCAA basketball tournament this coming year? I, I mean, it's still it's going to be tougher. Than, I mean, the Big East is still tough. Um, you've got to get through that season. There. I mean, there's a reason that they get. You know, they usually get double digit amount of teams in the conference is just because um, everybody's RPIs are so good out of conference and then they just beat up on each other in conference. You know that from experience because that's where we used to play basketball and mm. um, I I mean we could have probably been in another conference and been one of the top two teams in the conference but in our conference we'd be like the seventh best team and you know still get a pretty high C in C in the NCAA tournament just because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. extremely difficult. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's really going to be hard, especially considering you have to, you have to wonder if whoever the recruits were now knowing, knowing him, he'll probably follow through with his recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that he'll probably try and make sure they still get to the school, which is important because if that just all fell through, like if it was somebody leaving or something, then that's always tougher to deal with. Um, so they'll probably still get the recruits, but some of them might change their mind because, you know, they're not going to be coached by a legend. Um, and I mean, UConn's just kind of been like a farm for NBA players. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I mean, even if it's just they're there one year or something. Um, and I mean, it, so it's going to be you know, it's going to whoever comes in is going to have to somehow maintain that recruiting status. Um, and uh, I mean, that's that's going to be extremely tough. I I just don't know about this year. Um, I. <laughs> I actually don't think they're going to be able to get there this year. Um, and really, it's just because, um, I mean, I probably, I haven't been paying attention to who they were recruiting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's one thing. I'm unsure about that. And then, you know, who they lost. Um, and um, even with who they lost, you know, they just barely got in the tournament last year. So um, I don't know. I, I think just you know being kind of unsure about it, I'm gonna say no. I don't think that they make it this year. Um, it's gonna be tough. I don't think they do either. I think you lost too much talent. I haven't really focused on the recruiting myself, but that's a culture change when a coach like that steps down, and when you're in that tough conference, uh, you probably have like a first time head coach mm-hmm. coming in, and you have players who are used to playing a certain way, and it. Depends if they're going to keep that style, but they yeah. made it pretty close, and the Big East is going to be solid again this year. Yeah, um, I don't think they make it either. Uh, it, it just again, you're right with the they might switch how they play. They, mm-hmm. I mean, he has always had a particular way. He's always had huge shot blockers in the yeah. middle. Um, just an overall large team and a point you know he always has one of the best point guards in the country too it just seems like it um not to mention he's always got at least one shooting guard who's amazing so it's um it's an overall like i mean usually he just recruits giants to that team that's what i always said about playing them because you you always knew when that game was coming up because the players would always be like oh god this game's gonna be tough it's well, going to be weird to talk about college basketball because you know they're starting to do a lot of you know some of the prediction stuff, uh-huh. you know not like conference by conference, but just like very early speculative stuff. Uh-huh. And some of these ESPN analysts, I, I go to their men's basketball page, and it says Michigan's moment. Mm-hmm. They have Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, on the cover story there on their web page, and they're talking about like Elite Eight, Final Four talent. Like, no, wait, no, what? No. What? So it's going to be interesting for me representing Michigan to. Well, no, it will be interesting because usually, I got to tell you this, you know, your coach is not used to having that much talent. No. I'll tell you that right now because everywhere we, I mean, when he was in Richmond, even when it was at WVU, he just, he never had that much talent, but he, you know, with that system that he, he played and that, you know, certain kinds of defenses that he ran, he somehow found ways. I mean, sometimes that, I don't know, just 
the ridiculous shooting percentages that they would shoot sometimes. Um, and then they would beat teams that were way better than them. So it'll be interesting to see. That'll be, well, you know, we'll talk about that later. But For sure, for sure. Anyway, let's get to the replay of our picks this past week. Uh, we had week three of college football, week two of the NFL. Let's start with college football. First game we had was Virginia Tech at Pittsburgh, plus 10. Pittsburgh, a team that looked so awful. And I'm saying, oh, man, I somehow picked them to be my Big East champion. That looked terrible. Virginia Tech's got this. No problem. We both said Virginia Tech would have it. No problem. Well, Pitt jumped out to a 21-3 lead and did not look back as they won 35-17. to and, and it was really interesting just because um, they really, I mean, even though, you know, they had a, a a higher ranked team coming in to play them. They did not, they didn't even come close to filling that stadium at all. I mean, not no. even halfway. Um, they still really have trouble getting fans to their, their games. Even, I mean, yeah, we would, we would run out of seats if Virginia Tech came to play us. But, um, so I don't know. That was really surprising. Um, nobody expected that. And I really don't know if it was so much, that Pittsburgh, you know, played well as Virginia Tech played awful. Yeah, Logan I've, Thomas had three interceptions. I was not I've good. never seen Virginia Tech's defense play that bad. I mean, that was just atrocious. It was so bad. I mean, and that's the one thing that they usually can rely on is, you know, Bud Foster's defense, and it just it looked so. I mean, so many gaps, people out of place the entire time. And, you know, they are expecting Logan Thomas to kind of take, you know, take that team to the next level. He just does not look very good right now. And um, I don't know. I mean, he's he's probably hurting his draft status right now. Right now, yeah. We'll see if he can come back to it. But that was a big old nope for us that predicted it. And that was, that was the shocker of the weekend, I think, for well, sure. Well, uh, I mean, there were a few. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, we can go to the next one. California at Ohio State, minus 17. Uh, Ohio State kept, had this one be, kept a little too close. Three minutes left. Uh, Cal you know, blows a coverage, and you know, there's a wide-open receiver to put Ohio State up by seven. They end up winning 35-28. to They don't cover the points. Those who pick California get the win, and that was not both of us. And just a little note, California, please give Brendan Bigelow the ball more. <laughs> he had four carries for, like, I don't know, 180 yards or something. Get, like, give him the ball more. He's really good. I it's mean, almost like the uh, Florida State-Wake Forest game I was yeah. watching. It was at, at noon. They had their running back. Uh, who I remember the name of, and now I've forgotten. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, he had like eight or nine carries and you know 197 yards in the first half, and they s- sat him down for the rest of the game just to keep him fresh and all. Well, but I- I'm interested to see what um, what he does against USC. Mm-hmm. I-, I hope they give him the ball more. So. Yeah. Uh, Boston College at Northwestern. Pretty close game. Northwestern pulls it out. Uh, that was a minus three and a half spread, and Northwestern does co- cover that uh, 22 to 13. And they continue to win. They do continue so, I mean, I mean, they have, I think, a pretty easy game next week, so they could go, you know, 4 and 0. Yeah. That's, their schedule keeps going. I, I mean, they're, you know, 
that it's good. You know, they're help they're helping the Big Ten by winning those out of conference games. That's true. I guess you know, some Big Ten teams cannot say that. Uh, Florida at Tennessee, minus two and a half. So Tennessee was favored at home. Uh, Florida just running the ball too much. Thirty-seven twenty. Uh, both of us picked Northwestern in the last game. Both of us picked Florida in this one, and mm-hmm. we're both right as uh, you know Florida gets the upset. I I'm liking Florida more and more. Like I, each game, I kind of see a little bit more from them. Um, and the, I mean, they're starting to kind of impress me. <laughs> the thing is, though, anytime Tennessee lo- loses a big game where there's a lot of expectations, you almost gotta say at the end of the year or the end of the season. Are they still going to have the same coach? Because they yeah. fire coaches like nobody else. Yeah, after Phil Fulmer, uh, they've been kind of cycling it there a bit. Yeah, uh, I, I'd expect you know Florida and Georgia, you know, competing for that SEC yeah. East uh, division title. I don't know. The more I watch Florida, I think that's going to be a great game. Like, mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. You know, the world's largest cocktail party. You got to look forward to that one. Uh, USC at Stanford plus eight and a half. <laughs> well, we went with USC because we thought they'd finally get off, you know, these not blowing teams out. And well, it turns out that Stefan Taylor runs all over them and Stanford wins at home and gets the upset 21 to 14. And the best sign that I saw at that game was we don't need no luck to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty clever. Uh, that was a big surprise. Um, um, Stanford's Stanford's defensive line is really good. I mean, they just manhandled USC, um, which bodes well for them because how do you beat Oregon? You you beat them up front. I mean, that's where it starts right there. So um, I I think I I don't know. I really like I I think Stanford still has a ways to go on offense, but I really like their defense this year. Mm-hmm. Next game was Notre Dame at Michigan State. It was our title game for the last episode, Michigan State minus five. And it was not even close. The Irish stomped all over Spartan Stadium, one twenty to three. Uh, and that was the upset that we you know neither of us called. Uh, Andrew Maxwell is not ready as a quarterback yet. Uh, he has a hell of an arm, but he slings it and guns it, and you need some more touch on the ball there. Oh yeah, um, um, he, had 40, he had forty-five passing attempts. I mean, Le'Veon Bell in the Boise State game had about that many carries, and he gets only nineteen in this one for seventy-seven yards and no touchdowns. So my prediction of you know, he's going to show Heisman quality stuff, yeah, that was all wrong. Um. You know, Everett Golson, uh, Notre Dame quarterback, looks solid. And that Notre Dame's defense looks mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, fast, I did fast. not see this coming at the beginning of the season. I, if I would have known Notre Dame had a defense, I mean, that would have changed a lot of my predictions. Um, because they're because they're not in a conference, they're always that like X factor team that they win a certain amount of games and they're like they're automatically in a BCS game. Yeah. Um. And I got a hell of a schedule, though. So I mean, no, that's the thing. If I mean, if they went undefeated with this schedule, um, they're in the national championship game, no question. I mean, that is the tough. That's the toughest schedule in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
which will get a lot easier when they change the ACC. But um, I I don't know. I mean, this that was just really surprising. And um, you know, again, you know, they've got they've got a completely different situation to deal with this this week, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, but man, um, I I gotta tell you, Notre Dame is impressing me with their. I, and I'm not even like paying attention to their offense. I just like to watch their defense. So, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, the extra point for those that uh, had, you know, one of their teams already in the pick six is Navy at Penn State, minus five and a half. Uh, and they Penn, won. Yeah, Penn State <laughs> got a win at home. Good for them. It was 34 7. Not much to say about the game besides, you know, Navy's not that good. Not this year. Not this year, unfortunately. Uh, my game that I had to pick, and you picked uh, Penn State on that one for your extra yep. point since. WVU blew out James Madison 42-12. to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, So my game was UMass at Michigan. And that was quite the spread at minus 45.5 points. But Michigan wins 63-13. to 13. They cover with a 50-point margin. Um, so I was proud of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, knock on wood, I am 3-0 and <laughs> on Michigan's season. Good. Uh, so they are who they think I am or something so <laughs> far. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so we went, you know, cause we picked the same exact games. Yeah. Uh, I had a bit of a struggle. Yeah, there were upsets. <laughs> a lot of upsets. Holy cow. Um, and Ohio State underperformed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we each went three and four. Uh, we're nine and twelve on the year. It's not terrible, but really could be better. Oh yeah. Uh, and our leader in the Sminja Show Me Your News community is Major Moses. He's at fourteen and seven. Yeah, I didn't check, but did he pick? Did he pick Kent State this week? Because they won last. I, I watched a little. Bit. I don't know if he's picked his games yet, but uh, they played on Wednesday yeah. <laughs> yesterday. So. Hmm. Wednesday night games. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, in the NFL, Baltimore at Philadelphia minus one. We both mm. picked Baltimore because that's more or less a toss up. But yeah. look at that, Philadelphia wins by one. And in this, uh, you know, we've said it before. Normally, if uh, you equal the spread and you're like you're betting money, you just get your money exactly back. Uh, but for our purposes, equaling the spread uh, for which if you predicted it counts as a win. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means it's a loss for us since we picked Baltimore. You, you know, and I don't know. I think I thought they looked a lot better than they did previously. Yeah, they, they still turn it over in the red zone a fair bit, though. Well, they, I mean, it wouldn't have been as close of a game, right? <laughs> so, I mean, they could have, you know, beating beaten Baltimore comfortably, but it was ended up being a close game. So. Yeah, very very surprising there. Um, but they are at 2-0, and and Baltimore has a tough test of going to New England. We'll talk yeah. about that one coming up here. Uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. The factory of sadness continues. Uh, Cincinnati was at minus 7, and they win by 7. Mm-hmm. Once again, an equal of the spread, and we did get that one. Uh, kind of a back-and-forth game. Trent Richardson had a monster game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two touchdowns, some great runs. So it's good to see that working out for them. Brandon Whedon um, wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Their offense is moving the ball, but it still needs to play better in this mm-hmm. league. 
I don't know. I I thought their defense their defense does not look as good as I thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Cincinnati gets that one. Andy Dalton leads them to victory. Washington at St. Louis minus three. And look at that. St. Uh. Louis wins by three. You know, we picked Washington thinking that RG3 uh, you know, would play well. But did you see the end of that game by chance? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, Josh Morgan, the one of the receivers for Washington, catches a pass, puts the Redskins in field goal territory when they're coming towards the end of the game, uh, needing that field goal to tie and send it to overtime. And Cortland Finnegan is covering him, and he's a bit of a pester cornerback yeah. in the National Football League. Tries to get <clears throat> under your skin, you know, bugs you the whole game. And, you know, getting up from a tackle, Josh Morgan loses it and throws the ball at Cortland Finnegan of the St. Louis Rams. This triggers a 15-yard penalty. This puts the Redskins out of field goal range and... Mike Shanahan was fuming. Yeah. Uh, so he is the chump of the week, <laughs> Josh Morgan, um, because he kind of screwed up our pick there. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, St. Louis is a definitely a different team this year. Uh, they have Jeff Fisher leading them, you know, a whole bunch of new personnel. And you have Sam Bradford is, as, you know, physically talented, I think, as like, he's, just, he's just a natural athlete. Yeah, the guy is good in everything. He's gotten hole in ones in golf, mm-hmm. so I think they'll be okay this year. Uh, you know, maybe just under five hundred, but definitely not the two win team of last year. Uh, New York Jets at Pittsburgh minus six. Uh, that was an interesting game. Pittsburgh had a drive of ten minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was kind of crazy and. Uh, the Jets did not have much of a semblance of an offense at all. Pittsburgh wins 27-10, and we both get that one right. Yep. Uh, Detroit at San Francisco. I thought it was going to be a blowout. We both picked San Francisco. It was at minus 6.5. Now, I don't know how <laughs> Detroit made a game out of it because I shut it off pretty quickly. Uh, once, you, once you see the signs of a blowout coming, you kind of don't want to see that happen to your hometown team. Uh, but they made it 27-19. So, you know, go figure. Um, I, don't, I don't think San Francisco exploited the secondary weakness of the Lions that much, to be honest. They did it at the, at the beginning, certainly. Uh, but they could have done with that more. Well, that, that game was closer just because, you. I mean, you can't really cover Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if he's covered, he kind of he'll still catch the ball. Right. So, um, you know, he's he's good. He's good to make the score closer, but still, like, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the same thing with Sorry. Green Bay. Like, that game wasn't nearly as close as it looks. No. Um, because San Francisco's defense takes you out of what you want to do so early on in the game. Right. Um, that it's, I mean, you almost have to, you have to play catch up to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, if, if that, you know, if they're actually, like, putting like full effort on offense and like I feel like they don't even run that many plays um no. I don't know like I just feel like if their offense really gets it in gear later in the season they might start blowing teams out yeah, they are they are by far the best yeah. team I mean they, the thing is they don't have to they have a good defense they really don't have to score that many points but um 
like I feel like come playoff time, like if if their offense is ready by then, it's they're gonna be tough. I don't know who's gonna beat them. So yeah, def- definitely watch out there. And then the last game was the only one that we picked differently from each other. Mm-hmm. Denver at Atlanta on Monday Night Football minus three. I picked Denver. And you picked Atlanta, and they did cover those three points, twenty-seven to twenty-one. Wasn't it? It was. I watched like early, the early part. I think like the first half. It was like twenty-one to seven at halftime. Yeah, it was not that close. Uh, you know, Denver did come back a little bit, but mm-hmm. Peyton Manning made some errors, and I. Uh, oh, early on. He yeah, he struggled. will. He will. You know, he'll lead that team as far as his abilities will take him. You know, coming back from the year off. The zone blitzes really just got to him in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, he there were a few of those interceptions. It's like he didn't even see, like, the safety or the corner. Like, he, he didn't even see them. And um, then later on in the game, I noticed that, I mean, they were getting a lot of pressure on him. Um, I mean, he barely had time to, to get the ball out sometimes. And, and by that point, they were trying to play catch-up so they couldn't use all the underneath routes and stuff. And they started blitzing, and it just... They couldn't get back in the game. So. Yeah. So I went three and three on the week, and you went four and two, and we were leading the Smidge community last week. But with that one game difference, you go on top at nine and three, and I am at eight and four overall. See, I thought I would be like doing a lot better in like college and be doing awful in the NFL. <laughs> well, I guess college football is just so unpredictable, and it that's so many upsets this year. I want to just start pegging them. <laughs> so let's just let's just go right on to that, and let's make these really quick. Uh, you know, really gut impressions here in the pick six section. Let's pick college football week four. We've got a slate of games here plus an extra point. Uh, let's start with Virginia. Going to Texas Christian University, TCU, minus 17.5. And and this is at noon Eastern on Saturday. Oh, is it minus 17.5? Minus 17.5. All right. Um, So TCU is favored there. Yeah, I think think they could still cover that. um, Just because I'm not extremely impressed with Virginia. Like, I'd... I don't know. I guess I didn't even think they'd be that good early on in the season, but I think TCU has needed a few games to, to like you know get their offense together. Um, and I actually think, I think their defense is starting to come together. Um, and I mean, I just think overall they're much more talented than Virginia is, um, which is kind of weird to say, you know, because they're still coming from a lower level of competition, but. You know, they're still TCU, and they've they've been in the top ten the past four years. So, I think they I think they overall have more talent. And the fact that that's a home game, I think late it'll get ugly. Hmm. I think TCU will beat them by a couple touchdowns, but not cover the seventeen and a half. Uh, TCU beat Kansas last week, twenty to six. Kansas is not that good of a team, uh, and I think Virginia has at least a semblance of talent. So this is one of the upsets I'm picking this week uh, for the hell of it. I'm, I'm going Virginia right. to not take the upset, but, you know, to at least, you know, take the points. That would, I mean, that would be great for the ACC just to make that game even close. Oh, absolutely. Against a now Big 12 team? Sure. Uh, Oregon State at UCLA, minus 8, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. I have UCLA... Um, they are at home. They are a good team. I know Oregon State 
you know, hardly you know hung on for that victory to upset Wisconsin early in the year, but they were at home in mm-hmm. that one. And in Corvallis, that's where the Beavers munch that wood or something uh, <laughs> rather rather well. So I think you know the Bruins take care of business. You know, they showed how they they can handle uh, Nebraska in Big Ten. Uh, UCLA's got some talent. I give me them to cover the eight. Yeah. Well. I don't know about those beavers much that one, <laughs> but um, I, I, you know, in UCLA, they are pretty good. Um, they, you know, they, they, I, I still think Nebraska is a pretty good team, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, they took it to them. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think they'll, they should definitely cover ten points um, because I, I actually think UCLA is going to compete for their, their division. I, I I fully expect them to. Oh yeah, I mean it, it is minus eight, so they don't have to go oh, okay. ten. Yeah. All right, then. Um, yeah, they'll definitely cover it. They can get more than a touchdown. So. Mm-hmm. Next game, Michigan at Notre Dame. Uh, there was a picture online I found amusing that you know Michigan fans already hung a little banner outside of uh, the Golden Dome there. Mm-hmm. You know, go blue, beat the Irish, and that was amusing to see. So this one's at minus five and a half. Notre Dame is favored by five and a half points. This is at seven thirty p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Who do you have, Joel? Um, I well, okay. I mean, this this is actually kind of tough because you know early on in the season I flew what I expected Michigan to you know just romp Notre Dame this year. Um, but after watching the two teams, I mean. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame's defense just looks too good this year. I I really did not expect that at all. Um, and you know, Michigan presents a completely different challenge than Michigan State as far as the offense goes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know, especially if you watched last year's game between these two teams, it was it's a hell of a game. Oh, I mean, it was a great game. Um, Notre Dame's defense just broke down at, at the end of that game and if there is one weakness on that team it's their secondary mm-hmm. um that i mean that is the pure that is the one weakness and so if they can't get to the quarterback which specifically is harder to do with denard robinson he's a lot harder to get to than most quarterbacks because even if you think you've got him tackled he could i mean He's got big legs. I mean, he could break a tackle. You just you're not you're not sure. And so, I actually think I, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily going to pick Michigan to win this game, but I think they can keep it at close enough. So I'm actually going to go with Michigan. I'm going to call a little bit of an upset here because a lot of people are saying you know there a lot of people are picking Notre Dame by a lot in this game. Um, so I'm going to say Michigan. I like your logic. I have Michigan as well. Look, the past few years, all of them have been very close. Now Michigan has come out, uh, you know, as the victor in the past, you know, three or four years. But the favored team has never really covered the spread in each of these games. Uh, I expect this to be the same way. You know, Notre Dame is you know great to put pressure on the quarterback, but this is where Denard Robinson excels, like you said. Uh, the key to stop Denard Robinson is to, you know, trap and keep him contained, keep him contained, 
and have him throw the ball and have the secondary you know, do the work. Well, if Notre Dame's going to blitz, then Denard's going to run by you. And even if he does that, he may throw up, you know, hopes and prayers and all on deep balls like we saw last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is, you know, exposing the weakness. Um, you know, the question is, I think, you know, can Michigan's defense hold up? That is the question. Uh, that is, is a big one. But I think with the rivalry at stake, it's going to be close enough. You know, I'm going to pick Michigan for the upset. Oh, go blue. Go. Beat the Irish. <laughs> you gotta go with your team. I gotta go with my team. And I haven't been wrong so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma, minus 14 at 7.50 p.m. Eastern. Oh, man. I have the Wildcats. Uh, I think Oklahoma coming off a of bye week may be a little bit rusty. And, you know, this is, you know, Kansas State's time to show that they deserve, you know, to remain, you know, high ranking. Um,. I, it's more just going with the upset, or not the upset, the underdog feel of the week. Got so burned uh, last week. I think Kansas State can at least cover the 14. I don't think they'll win. Give me Oklahoma for the win, but Kansas State to prevent the cover. Kansas State. Okay, well, this one's kind of tough because I, I tried to... I tried to get a lot of the, what the expert opinions just because I was having such a hard time picking it myself. And, um, you know, w- w- my team's going to play both these teams. I mean, we... Um, and, okay, Kansas State looks great on offense. Um, but the thing about them is that they've they've been so heckled and jied. <laughs> I mean, they've been so... Um, just... Back in, like you're not really sure what you're going to get with them. Mm-hmm. One game they look amazing, the next game they look awful. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde, what you're looking for. Yeah, there. that's what I get, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, was it the first game they looked terrible against Miami? They looked unstoppable. Um, Miami is not good at okay. all. They're probably going to get hit with NCAA penalties. Yeah, so. and then the next game they didn't look good again. Um, so they're just they're really hard, like. You can't have inconsistent play against Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma doesn't look very good so far this year, but they still have a lot of talent, um, and they're going to explode soon. You know, eventually they're gonna they're gonna turn into the team everybody thinks they are. Um, and I have a feeling that this is the game. I have a feeling this is the game where they come out and they just play pissed off, like nobody's giving them any respect at all because. Right now, so many people are saying they're the most overrated of the top ten teams. Um, wow! And i I think that I think they're just gonna explode. I on Kansas State, and I think Kansas State will give them some trouble with their offense, but I don't think it's consistent enough to to stay in this game. Right. Um, and so I'm gonna take Oklahoma, and I think they might lay a beat down on Kansas State uh, just right. because. They haven't, I mean, they have not looked good this year, and I think they want to send a message that, you know, like the big, you know, Big 12 title still comes through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm looking through these games this past week, and I didn't realize that, you know, after upsetting Arkansas in overtime the uh, previous week, Louisiana Monroe only lost by a field goal to Auburn in overtime. Yeah. I oh, mean, definitely give them a shout out because, um, if they were in that division in the SEC, I mean, they were what like a field goal away from being 
the leader in the division in the SEC. So, um, you know, it will be something if they don't win their conference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd be really surprised. So, um, and who who do they, don't they play a big 12 team this week? They play Baylor, don't they? They might, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another chance for them to to show what they can do. I'm the motorcycle, sorry. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Um, Yeah. Um, And then also, another thing I wanted to say is, if you didn't see the Utah BYU oh, game, God. go watch the highlights of it. We have it posted on our forums. Uh, Joel started a video thread, and I posted it in there. I was watching. You know, I, I'm I'm up early in the mornings, so ESPN likes to run you know games, whatever, before Mike and Mike in the morning at 6 a.m. I saw the ending of that game. Could not believe it. I won't. <laughs> we won't spoil it for you, but just watch it. Seriously, it's, it's great. It's not just the band. It's <laughs> <laughs> everyone out on the field. Um, next game in our pick six, we got Clemson at Florida State. This is the ESPN game day mm-hmm. game of the week. It's at eight p.m. Florida State minus fourteen. Who do you have, Joel? Okay, well, this is what this is the game every what, every year for the past couple years that Florida State would screw up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what was it Oklahoma last year? Um, it it just seems like every year there's one like defining game where they're like, okay, well, you know, we're expecting you to win this game, you know, go out there and win it, and then they just screw up. They quarterback gets hurt or something happens, and they just can't they can't win. Um, I still I think that I think they'll win. Um, and the thing that it's hard to judge them so far. I mean, they looked great against Wake Forest. But again, that was Wake Forest, and I don't think Wake Forest is quite at the level that they've been the past couple years. Um, but they did get that monkey off their back, so you know, good for them that they mm-hmm. they beat them. Um, uh, I just like I think I think Clemson still has enough talent on their team to keep up and to, pull, to make this game close. I still think it'll be close. I you know I want to say Florida State will just crush them. But um, I don't know. I think it being because I really don't. I still don't consider Wake Forest a real test. So I think this is like their real big test. I mean, if they win this game, I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know how else is going to beat them on their schedule. This is so, true. Like this is the big test, and I yeah. think they lay the beat down twenty-one points at least. Um, give me Florida State to cover. Mm-hmm. They are an impressive team. And, you know, Wake Forest was a team they lost to last year. It was a bit of a vengeance game last week, and they shut them out. Granted, Clemson does have talent on offense, but that defense for Florida State is strong, should be strong at home. They need this game under the lights. Uh, I have them as my national champion winners. Okay, well, so they that, need to... we got to mark this down now. If they win by, like, that many points then you've got to think that their spread for every other game the rest of the season is going to be at least 21 points or more. <laughs> Just because if they beat the best team on their schedule by that much, then... You heard it here first. I'm going to be <laughs> so wrong. But Florida State by at least 21. There you go. Book it. All right. Well, if you if you like offense, then you'll love the next game. There you go. Arizona at Oregon. Oregon favored by 24. They come in minus 24. Give me Arizona. Oh. Oregon has played nobody mm-hmm. so far. 
you know what Rich Rodriguez does? He does offense mm-hmm. better than anyone else. Or, but you know, not so much defense. But still, twenty-four is a lot. Um, going with crazy underdog here again, but um, I think Oregon is going to be a little surprised to actually face some talent. You know, Chip Kelly's going to coach him well and all. Oregon still wins by twenty-one. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think it's enough to cover the twenty-four. Give me Arizona. All right. Well, this is my this is my national championship team here in Oregon, um, and I. Here's the thing about Oregon. I don't. I don't know if you watched like their past couple games with Stanford, um, where you know great games until like the third quarter, mm-hmm. until like halfway through, and then they just explode on you like it it seems like both teams start to get tired but Oregon's offense just keeps going um and they score bunches I mean they score on an 80 yard reverse and then they and then somebody turns the ball over and they score on the next play like Mm. the thing about them is that their Arizona is very similar to them in the way that they'll run their offense especially early on in game it's going to be fast. It's all going to be fast. That's why I said I, I hope you like offense because both teams will probably run at such a fast tempo that you'll get to see a lot of plays, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know, I like to watch that style of football because I like to see how the defense reacts. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of want to take Arizona just because I think um, I think that they're much better than people expected them to be. I don't think anyone expected them to pick up the... the you know, the kind of style of offense that he runs this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely have some talent on the team, but um, I don't know. Like, I think I think it's kind of like Oklahoma. I think Oregon, you know, they haven't really played many people, like many good teams yet or any good teams yet, and they want to make it look good in front of, you know, national television. Right. So I think, you know, come that fourth quarter – which seems to happen in so many of their big games. Like, even their big games when they play great teams, they just they just keep going and the other team can't keep up. Right. So, I like, I, I honestly see, like, a 21 or 28-point fourth quarter out of them. Um, wow. I mean, because they do it. I mean, I wouldn't say that if they didn't do it all the time. And they do it against Cal. They do it against USC. They do it against the teams they play in their conference. So, um I actually think they can cover that spread. So I'm just going to go ahead and pick them just because I don't know, I want to see them explode. I want to see I want to see lots of offense. So you might as well the more points they score, the more points Arizona's going to try and score. So <laughs> that's my logic. I'm sorry. I already, I already forgot the last game. Did you pick Clemson in the last one? Um, yes. Okay. I, I think yeah, I did. Okay. I just wanted to make sure for my dictation here. Mm-hmm. Um now we have the extra point game. Uh, I since my representative team Michigan is in the pick six, I have to go with this game, uh, Missouri at South Carolina minus ten. Uh, that's Saturday at three thirty. The Oregon one we're gonna have to stay up late. It's at ten thirty p.m. Eastern time. Missouri at South Carolina minus ten. Uh, give me the Tigers. Uh, South Carolina does have a solid you know defensive front, but they are having quarterback issues and. I think you know Missouri has shown that they can at least hang a little bit with the SEC. Um, I think South Carolina wins a squeaker, but I'll, I'll give you know Missouri at least the opportunity to you know, take the points. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so South Carolina in a close one, but for our you know picking purposes, getting Missouri there. Yeah. Now you have you know WVU was off on by a couple weeks ago, then played James Madison, and now they actually play some former or some ACC talent. Yeah, they, it's their first BCS team. Mm-hmm. So um, you know it'll be the. I guess I, I looked up some statistics, and Maryland's defense is ranked eighth in the country in total defense, but mm. they have not played really anybody. Um, yeah. I, I think Temple's the best team they played, which they actually beat. I don't. I, a lot of people didn't expect them to beat Temple because Temple's a lot better this year. Right. Um, now we have to look at the line here. It's Maryland at WVU, mm-hmm. uh, minus twenty-seven at yeah. noon Eastern time. So that's that's four touchdowns. Um, I don't know. Our players take this game really seriously because really it's the only rivalry game we have left. Hmm. Um, and they, I think they're going to try and keep this series going. Our coach really likes it because they get to. You get to bring in players that they're recruiting in the Maryland area, like the Baltimore, D.C. metro right. area. Um, so, you know, in, in a couple of years ago, you know, they used to really beat us down um, back in Rich Rodriguez's early years. So, um, I don't know, they consider it a rivalry game. And um, probably our best player on our team um, is from that Baltimore area. And they recruited him really hard, but he decided to come here. So he really, he really has good games against them. And I think he's gonna. I, he'll probably like return a kick or something too. Um, I think this about, is you know, Tavon Austin. Yeah, yeah. Tavon. And um, I think that um, you know it's it's a noon game. We're getting all these noon games just because of the TV deal that we got right now. Um, but I think that they're gonna try and you know, I think they're gonna go out there and try and impress people. So, um, I don't know. Our last game, we kind of like let up early and they took the, they took the starters out pretty early. And I, I think our starters will, in order to prepare for next week, play well into the fourth quarter. I think we can, I think we can cover four touchdowns. I think so. Yeah. Cause the thing is, uh, while they have that high ranked defense right now, I just, I don't think they've played any offenses like ours yet. Sounds about right. Uh, we're running out of time here, so we got to breeze through the NFL picks for week uh, three. Week three of the NFL season. Buffalo at Cleveland, plus three. Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Buffalo favored by three. I don't know how. Both teams are really bad this year, so it's yep. figure you know, might be an interesting one to pick. Give me the factory of sadness, the Cleveland Browns, um, to go with the win. Uh, Baltimore... You know, I guess they you know hung some points on Kansas City, mm-hmm. but I think you know Cleveland's got to bounce back sometime if they're going to have any respectable season. And they're I, at home, so <laughs> give me the Browns. I just I don't know if I'm ready to pick them yet. <laughs> I, I don't know either, so, but like we have like the first three weeks, and I got to make Tony Th at least somewhat proud. Oh man. Um... It's because it's at plus three. That's what's scaring me about it. Is that it's so close? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Cleveland just because they're at home. Um, I mean, they're really both teams are not very good right now. Mm-hmm. But I liked what I saw out of Cleveland's defense in that first week. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think they could probably keep Buffalo's offense in check. You got to stop C.J. Spiller. That is the yeah. key. 
Tampa Bay goes to Dallas, minus 7.5 at 1 p.m. Uh, Cowboys were so disappointing against the Seahawks last week, but you know, Seahawks actually have talent now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have to bounce back. Uh, I've got the Cowboys covering the 7.5. They're in Jerry World. Um, I don't know if I'm a believer in Tampa Bay yet. They really let that New York Giants game get away from them. And, you know, I think Dallas just has, has too much talent. Uh, Give me Dallas to cover the 7.5. Yeah, I I don't know. I'd, I'd go with the team that seems more well-established and, um, you know, the coaching staff that seems more comfortable with what they're doing. So, I'm yeah, and they're at home. So, I'm going to go with Dallas. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia at Arizona, plus 4 at 4.05 Eastern time on Sunday. Who do you have in this one? I have Philly. Just because I think if they can somewhat stop turning the ball over, that their their games won't be that close at all. Um, I mean, I mean they they probably could have comfortably beat one of the best teams in the league last week. So um, I don't know. I, I I think if they can fix what they're doing on offense, just somehow hold on to the ball, <laughs> um, maybe run the ball more. Yeah. Um, then I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, d- I think they can cover four easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arizona definitely surprised the week to beat New England on the road, but I, I agree. I like Philadelphia in this one as well. Um, you know, four points should be easy to cover. Yeah, give LaShawn McCoy the ball more. Uh, you hang on to the ball, don't turn it over. And I think you'll be fine in this one. I've got Philly covering the four points. Houston at Denver, plus one. So Houston favored by one. More or less a pick em here Sunday at 4.25 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I like Houston in this one. Uh, they've you know looked rather you know pretty good so far. And uh, you know Denver kind of coming off a little bit of the struggles from last week. Uh, plus they're on the shortened week as well. Yeah. So Houston yeah. over Denver. Yeah, Houston's offense looks good, and Denver's just it. It's, I mean, it just it doesn't look completely solid right now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously they went into a tough place to play against one of the better teams last week, but um, I don't know. I I just like Houston's offensive game so much this year, um, and I think I think it's going to take them places this year. So, and you know, a lot of people have them as one of the top two, three teams in the league. So, mm. I don't know. I, I'm going to go with... I think, I mean, especially with it being that close, you got to go with Houston. Yeah. New England at Baltimore on a Sunday night football game. Uh, Baltimore, minus three. Who do you have? Um, I'm going with Baltimore. Um, just because I think... I don't know. I think their defense is a little bit better than New England's. I like... New England's run defense is pretty good, but um, the fact that Baltimore has a pretty good passing game now, um, I think they can take advantage of the weak parts of New England's defense. So, um, and it's you know it's a home game for Baltimore. So, with totally, it being that that close, I'm going to go with Baltimore. Totally agree. Joe Flacco passing attack against that Patriots secondary. That'd be surprising to see the Pats at one and two if that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Baltimore does need to bounce back from that, you know, close game against Philly. Uh, you know, granted, New England does as well, but you know, Baltimore has shown me more 
than New England has. So mm-hmm. like, and them at home, I'll, I'll take Baltimore to cover the three points. Give me the Ravens. And finally on Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers go to the 12th man in Seattle, plus three. And that's at 8.30 on Monday night. I've got the Pack. Um, you know, I think that team is still too talented to you know, just have it be a three-point game against the Seahawks. Although the Seahawks, much improved this year. Uh, this would be... A pretty much a shocker, I think, if you know Seattle beats Dallas and Green Bay in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. So give me the Packers. Well, you know, um, I mean, if you watched Green Bay play Chicago last week, you know that they're still the same team, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, they rocked them, and oh, yeah. um, if anything, that's a testament to, to how good I think. Um, good. How? I mean, I think the Niners' defense is really good. I, I keep yeah. saying it, but like. I mean, you saw what they did to Chicago. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you, I, I got to go with Green Bay because they just looked so impressive last week, All regardless right. of what Seattle did. So, I, you know, Seattle looks good, but Green Bay looks better. All right. So we all pick the same games. You know, again, we pick, make our picks separately. It's a surprise to us when we reveal them to each other uh, here on the air live. But you know, we have the same picks for the NFL, and then our. Uh, our college football is looking uh, pretty different, mm-hmm. save for the uh, Michigan, no, the Michigan and the UCLA game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how those turn out. I have to go run and do the "What Are You Playing" podcast episode eight because my weekend is crazy. So I thought it'd be a good idea to schedule back-to-back podcasts. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> but Joel, thanks again for. Maybe we'll get a guest on next time when things calm down a little bit with our schedules. Sure. And we'll have to see how that works out with uh, timing and everything. Mm-hmm. But thank you for listening to you know have us recap the week in sports for you. Uh, it's always fun to just you know talk about something that we both are a little bit nerdy about. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, with that, I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And we hope you enjoy the week in sports. Thanks.